Okay, again, good morning, everybody, and happy Easter. Uh, happy Easter Sunday. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll be picking up in uh, verse number 3, and you might want to find while you're looking uh, John chapter 16. Those will be our two main texts today as we uh, unveil the Easter story. Uh, so let's begin with a word of prayer. So join me in a word of prayer if you would. Father, there never has been a time where, where people need to hear the Easter story uh, than, than the time in which we live now in the midst of this virus and all the difficulties that have come upon the world because of this virus. Lord, there's not better news than the Easter story to hear today and every day that we live. And, and that's the story, Lord, the of your death and burial and resurrection. But, Father, that story can only under, be understood by the power of your Holy Spirit. You, you tell us that in your word. And, Lord, I, I think there's so many people out there that know certain aspects of this story, but, but the total truth of this story has never been applied to their hearts and souls. And so, Lord, I ask today if there's anyone here that hears this message that, that has doubts about this story, that doesn't really understand this story. Lord, it's a simple story, but a very complex story. And I just ask today that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you grant them the light in their souls that it takes to to see the truths of this great uh, story of, of, of our redemption. And so I ask today, Lord, as we unveil this story, that that uh, you enlighten us and empower us to hear it. And, Lord, for all of us who know the story and have applied the story to our lives, Lord, let this message be a source of great encouragement because, Lord, we do live in difficult times. And, and Lord, we do need to be encouraged. And we have the greatest encouragement of all embedded in this Easter story. So I just ask for a special blessing today on our service and on this Bible study. And I ask it in the precious name of Jesus Christ. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Legend is told that uh, one day Picasso, the great abstract painter, was unveiling one of his abstract paintings to the great sculptor Rodin. Rodin was the sculptor who, who sculpted the thinker, so a lot of you are familiar with him. And so Rodin took the abstract painting and he looked at it, and he couldn't quite make it out, so he flipped it upside down, and then he turned it from side to side, and then he offered Picasso some sound advice. He said, whatever else you do, he said, told Picasso, sign the painting, and then at least that, in that way, the person who buys the painting will know which way to hang it. Well, I think a lot of people see the Easter story like Rodin saw uh, Picasso's great masterpiece. He couldn't quite make it out. And I think there are a lot of people that know most of the aspects of the Easter story, but they really quite can't make it out. And they really haven't quite resolved those truths in their heart, and so they haven't applied it to their heart, and so they're not really born again. Now, you talk about a masterpiece. The Easter story is the greatest masterpiece ever made. It was made by God himself before the foundation of the world. It was written by him and, and uh, planned by him. And uh, it was acted out over thousands of years of history. And it's still being acted out now in the lives of those who, who hear the story and apply the story to their lives. And, and I think most Americans have, 
have heard the Easter story. They know a lot about the Easter story. I mean, if you were asked most Americans who Jesus is, they would tell you that Jesus was a good man, he was a prophet. Some would even say that he was the Son of God. But I don't know that they really understand that. Uh, if you ask them about the Easter story, they probably know that Jesus, the story of how Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and uh, how he was uh, taken from there to the, to the homes of the high priest, Caiaphas, and and then Annas, and, or, or from Annas, and then to Caiaphas' house, and how he was beaten, and he was tried, and falsely accused. And, and then uh, he was brought to Pilate, and, and uh, Pilate had him flogged almost to the point of death. Uh, then Pilate sent him on to Herod, and Herod mocked him and scorned him, and they beat him. And then he was brought back to Pilate a second time, and, and Pilate offered up Barabbas as a choice uh, uh, to, to free someone. Uh, and thinking that for sure they would take Christ, but they chose Barabbas, and they shouted out, crucify him, crucify him. And so uh, Pilate agreed to crucify Christ, and so he handed him over to his soldiers, and his soldiers stripped him of his clothes, and they put a purple robe on him, and and they... they, they built, made a, a crown of thorns, and they took a reed, and they hammered that crown of thorns into his head. And then they put the reed in his right hand, and they, 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 they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Hail, King of the Jews! And then they led him away to Golgotha, and, and there his, uh, his hands and feet were nailed to the cross, and he was lifted up between two thieves. And a lot of people would even say that while he was on that cross, he was dying for the sins of the world. But, but I think there's still a lot of people who have never really understood the Easter story. I, I think a lot of people know that, that later that night, that Joseph Arimathea, that evening, uh, and Nicodemus came and took the body and they buried it in, in Joseph's tomb, uh, his garden tomb, and the, later on uh, the tomb was sealed by the Roman soldiers. And, and I don't think there's anyone Uh, in America who hasn't heard the good news of the Easter story, and that is that on the third day, Jesus arose from that tomb, and and, uh, he appeared to the women in the garden, uh, near the garden tomb, and and, uh, later he appeared to two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and then he appeared to his disciples in Jerusalem, and, and then later on he ascended back to heaven. Now that's the Easter story in a nutshell, and I think most people know at least something about that. And most Americans, I think, know that whole story. Uh, they've watched it on movies or TV shows or they've gone to church and they've heard the story. Uh, but they really don't, like, they're like Rodan. They don't really know what, quite what to make of that story. And they, it, because it's never really been unveiled to them in their hearts. And so only a few people have, I believe, a few uh, people have really, uh, there are only a few people who have really and truly applied that to their lives. And that's, that brings us to the text today, and I want to show you why it's like that uh, and, and what we have to do to change that. So go with me over to 2 Corinthians and look in chapter 4, and let's begin in verse number 3. We're just looking at a couple of verses here, and listen to what he says, Paul says here. He says, but even if our gospel, now the heart of the, the gospel is the Easter story. So you can say even if our Easter story is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, those who are lost, those who are not born again. And here's, here's why it hasn't been veiled to them. Because their, whose minds 
the God of this age. Now, who's the God of this age? The God of this age is Satan. Because whose minds the God of this age, Satan, has blinded. Now, how has he blinded them? I'll tell you the, his most uh, useful tool in blinding uh, the lost is to tell them half-truths. Truths like, well, yes, Jesus died on a cross, but was that really necessary? I mean, there's, I mean, all roads lead to heaven. God's a loving God. He's not going to send anybody to hell. And so really, the cross wasn't really necessary. And really, it was just a good man on the cross or a great prophet, a great philosopher. But, but uh, uh, it, really, it really wasn't necessary. And so, so, so they hear the Easter story, but their minds are still blinded by the, by the, by the God of this age who do not believe, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest, lest the light of the gospel, now watch this, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Now what's the glory of Christ? He tells us what the glory of Christ, who is the very image of God. Uh, Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1, he is the express image of God. That means he is God. He is Jehovah God. Unless the light of who that is on the cross, Jehovah God dying for your sins, lest that light should shine upon them. Now, if you're a believer, you don't have any doubt about who it was that died on the cross. You don't have any doubt about about uh, about who Jesus is. But the Easter story can only be understood. That's what he's telling us here when the light of God shines on those who hear the Easter story, and our minds and spirits are enlightened by the Holy Spirit. You know, I heard the Easter story all my life when I was growing up, but it wasn't until my soul was enlightened by the Spirit of God on August the 23rd, 1989, that I truly understood that story, and I truly applied that story to my life. And that's the way everybody's saved. Isaiah prophesied how the Gentiles would be saved over in Isaiah 9. And listen to what he says in Isaiah 9 too. He says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who, land, who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And that great light is none other than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has revealed to us not only in his word, but especially in the Easter story. Uh, you got to get the Easter story down to be sa- to be saved, and you're not going get, to get the Easter story down unless your soul is enlightened by God. Now that begs the question: Why isn't everybody's souls enlightened? Well, the reason every Gentile isn't saved is that only those who come to the light and are willing to put away their sins and and come to God on His terms. Those are the only ones who are going to be enlightened. You've got to reach the point to be saved and understand this Easter story. You can listen to all the proofs in the world. You can read all the books on the evidence of the resurrection. But you're still not going to believe it deep in your heart in a way that it will save you unless that light shines on you. And that light is not going to shine on you as long as you still love darkness. Jesus said the problem with men is that they don't come to the light because we As men and women, we love darkness. We embrace darkness. And until we're ready to do those things, we live in darkness. And we are blinded by the God of this age, and we're unable to understand 
the real meaning of Easter. And so the story is veiled to those people who are still embracing darkness. And to understand, I mean, the Easter story, I said it's, it's a very simple story. A child can hear the story and they can, you know, they can grasp the basic tenets of the story. But, but it's a very complex story, too. It's a story, as I said earlier, that was written by God. And, and, and it's being acted out by God and acted out by believers over, over, over history. But, but uh, you, you, so it's, it's God's story. So it takes God to tell the story. Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. Go with, with me back to 1 Corinthians and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul, ex- Paul explains it in a more thorough way here why, why you have to be enlightened. Look at verse number 11. He says, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? I mean, men understand men. Women understand women. Uh, we have the spirit of man, so we understand. That's why God became a man, man to relate to us. Uh, even so, no one knows the things of God, watch this, except the spirit of God. Listen, you can listen to some the- theologian with five PhDs, if he doesn't have the Spirit of God, there's no reason to listen to him. You can't become, you can't understand the things of God unless you have the Spirit of God. Look at verse number 14. It says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. I mean, for a lot of people, the Easter story, really deep down inside, they don't believe it. They don't believe that God would come and die on a cross for mankind. They, just, they, don't, they don't believe it. They don't understand it. It's foolishness to them. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Only by the Holy Spirit can we understand the things of God. Only by the Holy Spirit can we understand the truths of Easter. Because the veil that's over our eyes, we've been blinded by Satan, he's put a veil over our eyes, that veil has to be removed. And your eyes enlightened by the Holy Spirit. Because it is the Holy Spirit who tells the Easter story. He's the only one who could tell it to you in a way that you can understand. In fact, the Bible tells us that is the Holy Spirit's main purpose to tell us the gospel, to tell us the Easter story, to tell us the good news. Now, a lot of people think the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to make us feel good. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to comfort us. Those things might be true. I mean, he is the comforter. So he does bring comfort to us. He does. We walk and talk with the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Christ. I mean, certainly that's a function of the Holy Spirit. But his main purpose is to tell us to give meaning, to enlighten the gospel story, and that the heart of the gospel story is the Easter story. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Go back with me to the gospel of John. And look in John chapter 16. John chapter 16. 
He says, and this is Jesus speaking. This is this great uh, exhortation he gives his disciples and gives to all of us right before he's going to the cross. Listen to what he says in John chapter 16, and I'm, I'm going to pick up down in verse number 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. Now watch this. Here's his purpose in verse number 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, verse number 9, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, verse number 10, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And verse number 11, of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, embedded in those three purposes of the Holy Spirit, or those three main tasks of the Holy Spirit, are the three main tenets of the Easter story. The Holy Spirit tells us who it was that died on a cross, why he died on a cross, and what his death burial and resurrection mean to us as believers. And I want to take each one of those in turn. First of all, who was it? I mean, if you don't get this down, the Easter story, I'm going to tell you right now, is meaningless to you. Until your soul has been enlightened and you understand this first aspect or tenet of the Easter story, I'm going to tell you, not saved. So if you don't understand this, I'm not, you know, I'm not judging anybody, but this is something that is given to you by the Holy Spirit. It's part of his purpose. He tells you who it was that died for you on the cross. Who was it that died for you on the cross? Uh, uh, On that good first Good Friday, uh, look at the last part of verse number 10. He tells us, it's the one who went back to the Father and we see him no more. That's who died for you on the cross. The one who went back to the Father and we see him no more. The one who ascended back to heaven to sit at the right hand of glory. That's the one who died for you. You remember in John chapter 3 when Jesus was speaking to the great teacher of Israel, Nicodemus. And remember what he told him. He says, no one has ascended to heaven but the Son of uh, but um, let me read it again. In fact, go with me to John chapter 3. We're right there. Go to John chapter 3. And look down at verse number 13. Listen to what he said. He says, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. Th- that is, now watch how he describes himself. He's the one who came down. Jesus was speaking of himself when he was speaking to Nicodemus. He says, that is the son of man who is. Now, look at the look at the tense of the verb is there. It's the ever present who is in heaven. Where was Jesus before he came to this earth? In heaven. Where is he now after he left this earth? He is in heaven. He's always been in heaven, except for those few years, 33 years or so he lived on this earth. He's always been in heaven. Why could he ascend back to heaven? Because Jesus is the only one 
worthy of ascending back to heaven because he is the God in heaven. The only one who was righteous enough in his own merit to ascend back to heaven is Jesus. And he is the perfect, sinless, eternal, almighty God. That's who he is. Now, I got to tell you, that changes everything when you look at that cross. When you gaze at that cross, what you're gazing at, you're gazing at Almighty God, Jehovah God, on that cross dying for you. I love that passage over in Acts chapter 20 when Paul is speaking for the last time to to the Ephesian elders, the pastors of the the churches there in Ephesus. And uh, uh, he exhorts them. He says, I want you to shepherd the church that God purchased with his own blood. In the Greek, that's theos, God, abatos, blood. The blood of God. You understand what Paul was saying? Paul was saying that, that, that it was the blood of God that dripped down that cross uh, from those nailed, pierced hands and those nailed, pierced feet. It was the blood of God that dripped down from his back onto the ground from where he had been flogged. It was the blood of God that dripped down that crown of that, the brow of his head where that crown of thorns had been uh, buried into his head. It was the blood of God that, 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 that dripped down from that spear pierced side. I mean, it was the very precious blood of God that, that was shed for you and I. And why was it shed? It was shed to cleanse us of our sins. And let me tell you, there's no other blood in the world that can cleanse you of your sins but the blood of God. Because God is eternal, and God is eternally sinless, and we are eternally sinful until we're saved. We were born in sin. And so only a sinless God, an eternal God, could die for all the sins of the world. And that's what makes the cross to me so wonderfully amazing. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. He says, Jesus, who was rich became poor so that through his poverty we might become rich. We've been made rich by the cross. We've been made rich in blessings. I don't care what this virus is doing to this world. You're still rich if you truly understand this gospel story. If you understand that it was God who died for you, you're a very rich person because most people don't understand that. Most people's eyes have been blinded and and, and, and the, the Easter story is veiled to them. Oh, they know all, all the little aspects of the story, but they don't understand who it was on that cross. And if you know that, let me tell you right now today here, you're, you're a rich, rich person. Now, let's look at the second facet of the Easter story that only can be understood by the enlightenment of the Holy, Holy Spirit. And that is the reason why Jesus died on the cross. Go back with me to John 16 and look at verse 9. It's real clear there. The Holy Spirit came to convict us of what? Of sin. Of sin because, and and the ultimate sin is they do not believe. Of sin. That's why the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts. And he comes into unbeliever's heart from, from that aspect to convict you of your sin. If you're an unbeliever and you're listening today, the Holy Spirit is trying to convict you that you're a sinner. You need to listen. You've got a conscience. 
Your conscience should convict you of your sin. I mean, it's real. We, 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 deep down inside, we know what's right or wrong. We, don't, we have the law, but we, we have a conscience, too. If we haven't seared that conscience, we know what's right or wrong. But, hey, beyond that, the, we have the law, but also beyond that, the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of our sin. And the ultimate sin is unbelief. That's a sin that will send you to hell. It's unbelief. All your other sins can be covered if you believe, but, but uh, first you've got to recognize the fact that you're a sinner. You know, I think that's a problem for a lot of people. A lot of people don't think that a loving God would send them to hell because they're pretty good people. I heard Senator John Kennedy on the Fox News the other night say he doesn't understand why all these terrible things are happening to the good people of Louisiana. And he says, when I get to heaven, I'm going to take that up with God. I'm going to tell you something. When you get to heaven, I don't care who you are. You might be a pretty important senator. You might be the president of the United States, but you're not going to be taking anything up with God. You're going to be, you might be eating dirt, but you're not going to be taking things up with God. When you see God, you're going to repent in dust and ashes. God is more awesome than we can possibly imagine. Jesus Christ and his glory is more awesome than any of you can possibly imagine. You're not going to be taking anything up with God. You better have something done with your sin before you get to heaven because there are no good people. Let me tell you what God says about the goodness of man. Uh, reading from Romans chapter 3 and Psalms chapter 14. There is none righteous, no, not one. They have all turned aside. They have all become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. That's how God sees sinners before they're born again and made righteous by Jesus Christ. That's how he sees us all before we're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he says, He made him who knew no sin, God on the throne eternal, Jesus Christ, the one who came down from heaven and ascended back to heaven. He made him who knew no sin, watch this, to be sin for us, that we might have the righteousness of God. You go through and you read the Sermon on the Mount and, 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 and the, the precepts that Jesus lays out, the commands that he laid out in the Sermon on the Mount are seemingly impossible to keep. But just to kind of sum it up, when he finishes the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6 of, of, of Matthew, he says, Here, let me sum it all up for you. Be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. If you're not perfect, You're not going to make it to heaven. You have to be absolutely perfect. That's what the Word of God says. And if you don't believe that, you've been blinded by the God of this age, by his half-truths. I mean, your your little bit of goodness is not going to get you to heaven. You are far. There's a gulf between you and the goodness of God that is infinite. And there's, there's only one way that that gulf could be reached and that was for God to make him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might have the righteousness of God and and that's the only way you're going to make it to heaven in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 we're we're told without perfect holiness without holiness absolute righteousness no one will see God and the only way you can have that righteousness is through the blood of God only through the cross. Now, 
the third thing, and a really exciting thing, especially in times like we live right now, the third thing that's also, I should say, really exciting, that the Holy Spirit can teach us. He's the only one that can enlighten these truths in our heart. He's the only way that we can see these truths. And that is what does the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ mean for the believer? Look again back at John chapter 16 and look at verse number 11. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now that's some really good news. A lot of people believe it's Satan that's brought this virus upon America. Maybe so. I still believe it's quite possibly God that's brought it upon America. At the very least, God is sovereign. He's on his throne and he's allowed Satan to bring it, bring it up on America. But whatever, whatever the reason, it, it's a terrible thing. And Satan's using it for his purposes to, to change our country, I believe, in a very adverse way, to change our world in a very adverse way. But, but, but here's what we've got to remember. No matter what happens, no matter what happens on this earth after this virus is all over, if it's ever over, after it's all over, remember this, that, the, that, that, that look at verse number 11, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. He has been judged. Who is the ruler of this world? He's Satan. And I, you, you, you got to picture what Satan was doing when Jesus was crucified. I mean, they were all cheering. All the hordes of hell were cheering and they were celebrating. And then he was laid into to the grave and they thought they had their ultimate victory. They didn't have their ultimate victory. Actually, what was happening there was their ultimate defeat. Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, that by the death and resurrection of Jesus, he, Jesus disarmed the principalities and powers of Satan and made a public spectacle. He embarrassed them. He made a public spectacle of them, trying, triumphing over them. How did Jesus do that? By conquering sin on the cross and by conquering death through his burial and resurrection. When Jesus died on that cross, his body died, but he didn't die. Jesus was God. He's eternal God. He didn't die. He told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. And he went down to paradise. We're told in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 9, and in 1 Peter, that he went down to paradise and he preached the good news, the Easter story to the captives in paradise that were there. The good news that the way had been opened for them, Abraham and Isaac and Abraham and all the fathers and all the Old Testament saints, the way had been opened for them to go to heaven. Their sins had been paid for. All of that sacrificial sin, the blood and, of lambs and goats couldn't take away the sins of the world. But Jesus did on a cross. And they were released and they were, they were allowed to go to heaven. And now when we die, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord because of what Christ has done. And, and not only that, when, when Jesus was resurrected from the grave uh, and in a new body, uh, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're told that he became the first fruit of all who believe, uh, of all believers. So his victory over the devil and over sin and over death became our victory over the devil and over sin and over death. And, and our Baptism is a picture of that victory. Paul describes that victory in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, as, as, as we see in the baptism. He says, therefore you were buried with him. He's the first fruit. We follow him. Through baptism we follow him. We're buried unto death. We die to the old life. 
that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life, everlasting life. That's some good news. And that good news can only be made real to you and applied to your life when it's been enlightened by the Holy Spirit. And, and most people of the world, that, they don't, they, that Easter story hasn't truly been unveiled to them because they, again, choose to embrace darkness. They choose to, 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 to not see themselves as sinners. They've been blinded by these half-truths of Satan. John says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, he says, We know that we are of God, and the rest of the whole world lies in the clutches of the wicked one, but not us. The reason we don't still lie in the clutches of the wicked one, the reason the Easter story has been revealed to us and we've applied it to our lives and we've been born again is that, that, uh, that uh, the reason it is is that we've come to the light. And, and therefore, Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all things have passed away. Uh, we're no longer in Satan's clutches. We're no longer blinded by his lies. We understand the Easter story. Uh, behold, all things have become new because we are the enlightened children of God. And, and, and if you're listening today and, 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 and you, you look here at John chapter 16 and you see what the Holy Spirit tells us about the gospel and about the Easter story, and, and it just doesn't make sense to you, let me encourage you. Come to the light. Come to Jesus. Turn from your darkness. Turn from your sin. Recognize that you need a Savior. God doesn't need you. You need God. And come to Him, and I promise you when you do that, you come to Him on His terms, You'll receive the Holy Spirit. You'll be enlightened by God, and you'll read this Easter story, and you'll see it totally different from where you've from any way you've ever seen it before. It will make sense to you, and if this thing doesn't make sense to you, then then you need the Easter story unveiled in your heart. So come to the Lord. You know, there's all sorts of people trying to spin the news right now. Some people are even trying to find good news in the midst of this coronavirus. I was watching a segment on Channel 3 News, and actually they, they played it a couple of times. And they called the segment Today's Good News. Now, it's really hard to find good news and be serious about it. But they, they thought they found some good news in a story about these little kittens that were allowed to go to one of the aquariums in one of our major cities and watch the fish. And there's this picture of them in the little segment. They're watching the fish, and they're all excited that they're getting to watch the fish at the aquarium. Now, here we are. We're living in a time when people are dying all around us from this terrible virus. Our Economy is in shambles. We don't know what this world's going to look like when we finish this with this thing. And people are frightened. So people are frightened about their future, rightfully so. And the best thing or the best news they can give us is that there are some kittens 
watching some fish in an aquarium. Maybe that's good news to you, but that's that's not going to help me one bit. But I've got some news today, some really good news, some good news that will get you through whatever you're going through, and it will give you a future and a hope no matter what happens in this world in the coming months or the coming years. And that good news is the Easter story. The Easter story that Jesus is risen. That Jesus died on a cross for you and me to save us of our sins. God Almighty on a cross. And that he wishes that none should perish. And all should come to eternal life. And there is a city and a world waiting for us beyond so beautiful and so wonderful and so full of joy. Beyond our wildest dreams. But to live in that city one day. To get past these trials we're in. You've got to turn to Christ. You've got to turn from your sin. Turn from darkness. And seek God. I say that begins in the word. In prayer and in the word. You do that and I'll tell you. You're going to see the good news. There's lots of good news uh, when you're a child of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your goodness to us, the great news that you would empty yourself of your glory and come to this world as a little child in Bethlehem to grow up with one main purpose, Lord, to hang on that cross and die for our sins. How blessed we are. How blessed we are, those of us who know who you are, that you're God Almighty. But, Lord, are you God Almighty? Yes, you are God Almighty. You're Jehovah God in the flesh. Lord, and we just thank you that you would do that for us. Lord, but you did it for the whole world. You, you so loved the whole world that you gave your only begotten son. Lord, Lord so, so what you've given me and what you've given the rest of the believers that are listening here today, you're willing to give to anybody who will truly turn from their sin and come to you, Lord. Come to you on your terms. To come to you as our Lord and as our Savior. Lord, we're so blessed to have that privilege. It's such good news. Lord, we can face any difficulty when we're resting in you and the good news of of the Easter story. Lord, we thank you that you're risen. We thank you in Christ's name. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen.